We'll do a little bit of review, but we, I want to be sure that we always keep these things in the context. When we're talking about these, these are really, understand, these are kingdom concepts that we're talking about. When we're teaching about these things, because you understand that the, the ability to speak God's Word and see it move mountains in your life, the ability to call those things which are not as though they be and call things out of the, and bring things out of the spiritual realm into the natural. The prerequisite for being able to do any of that is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Amen. Pastor Earl did a wonderful sermon a couple of months back where he was teaching on the keys to the kingdom and he used the illustration. He actually had one up on the platform as a really good illustration. I'll probably steal it and use it one day. I'll give him credit the first two times, and I heard the third time you use something, you can claim it as your own, right? But he had a key box on the platform. And y'all know what a key box is, right? If you ever worked in a business or someplace where they had one centralized location, a little metal cabinet that they kept all the keys in, and they kept them locked and secured, right? And so you had the one key. There was one key that opened that key box up. And once you, uh, and you, and you had to have that one key, all the keys to everything else. You might have the keys to an outbuilding. You might have the keys to a storage closet. You might have the keys to the front door. You might have keys to some locked room. Amen. That are in that box and they're all secured. But one, but they're, but they're in that box that one key opens and grants you access to those other keys so you can access the other areas of the building, right? Or things within the building. And so what we're talking about, we started this morning and I felt like I really wanted to back up and make sure everybody understands that. And so that, you know, if, so, if this message gets into someone's hands and they don't think that we're teaching something outside of the fact, the, the, the fact has to be that Jesus has to be Lord. The exa- in the illustration that Pastor Earl used, he mentioned, he showed the one key. The one key that opens the, the key box and gives you access to the other keys is Jesus Christ. Amen? Remember in the Scripture, Jesus said, I'm the door. Right? right? Jesus, Jesus is the Word of God. He is the Son of God. Jesus came and died on the cross, and He made the way available for us to believe through faith in His name to enter into the kingdom of heaven on earth that He was establishing. Because remember, Jesus went about the gospel that Jesus preached was the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus went around preaching saying, Repent, change the way you think, because the kingdom, the government of God is, is at hand. That means, it is, it, that means it's within reach. If I say something is at hand, or something's near, if something's at hand, it means it's able for you to reach out and get. And so when we're talking about what we spoke about this morning was speaking like royalty, speaking God's Word, calling those things that are that be not as though they were, speaking the mountains, you understand that that's one of the keys in the key box and that before you can even have access to that, you have to have, have access to the key of Jesus as Lord. Right. Amen? Because that's what even gives us access. And so just doing a little bit of review uh, to bring some people up real quickly. You know, we said this morning uh, that we, we mentioned... Uh, 20th century sociologist named Robert Merton. He coined the phrase of self-fulfilling prophecy. And, and I've said this and I want to make it clear. What are you talking about, Pastor? Is, is, and I alluded to this this morning, maybe didn't articulate it this way, but my grandfather used to say, even a blind hog will find an acorn every once in a while. What are you talking about, Pastor? What I'm talking about, you understand, people who are lost, people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord, they're spiritually blind. But even spiritually blind people, how I many you know you, that a blind person, could, if they walk through the living room long enough, they can find the coffee table? Especially if they're barefoot and they can find the leg of it with that little toe, right? That's the one you always find it with. And so you understand that even someone who does not have a spiritual revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord and, and see things spiritually and taught things by the Spirit, that you can come across a spiritual truth. And I've mentioned this morning, and I want to be sure and mention this, is that we know, that, or we should know by now, that men, we are created in God's likeness and in His image. And, and, and that means that we are a spirit being. I've said this before. There's a term called triune being. 
You are a spirit. You have a soul. Remember that spirit is the eternal part of you. You have a soul which is comprised of your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. And you live in a body. And that the Word of God speaks to your entire being. When God speaks something, when God says, by His stripes you were healed, He's talking about spiritually, yes, you were dead. And you were raised. And any spiritual healing that you need, any wounds to your spirit, man, from your past, whatever, those can be healed. When Jesus said, by his, when the Word says, by His stripes you were healed, it's speaking to your soul, to your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. People don't, you understand this, you don't have to walk around as a believer walking around emotionally bleeding the rest of your life. Because when the Word of the King comes, it's speaking to all three parts of you. So your spirit, when, he, when Jesus said healed, when the Word says healed, he, as far as God's concerned, spirit, soul, body, healed. Amen? But what we were talking about with, with Merton was, it was, you understand that he, what he discovered was the power of, of believing in your heart and speaking with your mouth and how that affects you in your soul realm. That's not nothing unusual. That he, if he wasn't born again, all he operated in was in his flesh and in his soul. And so that's what would be revealed to him. But we talk about how that Merton observed, and I'll just read this to you real quick, says in his, um, that in his definition in the book Social Theory and Social Structure, published in 1949, the prophecy or prediction, and I want to reiterate this, I'm not talking about the, the gift of the Spirit prophecy. I'm not talking about biblical spiritual prophecy. What he's calling prophecy is what someone speaks to someone else or what someone is confessing over their life. Okay, just I want to make sure that there's no possibility that we get that mixed up. He says, the prophecy or prediction um, is false, but is made true by the person's actions. In the modern sense, the prophecy has neither false nor true value. It's merely a possibility that is made into a probability by the person's unconscious or conscious actions. And so what I'm saying is, what he's saying is, is someone... That you can, can you can you can make a statement over somebody. Amen. You can make a statement over someone, and children are especially vulnerable to it, but not just children. I remember, you know, I, I think I've shared this before. My father, when he went to marry my mother, you know, my mother was, um, I believe, twenty, and my dad was eighteen when they got married, and. My dad, you know, there he was, he was a young man, 18-year-old young man, but he had an uncle that he looked up to a lot. As a matter of fact, you know, my uncle and my, da- my dad's middle name was my uncle's first name because my uncle was named after his dad and my dad was named after his grandfather. And my dad looked up to him a whole lot and respected him a whole lot. And uh, if you can imagine, at 18 years old, my dad probably wasn't the most mature and responsible person in the world. Amen. How many of y'all met 18-year-olds that were, Right? And uh, as my dad was, you know, had made plans to, to marry my mother, my dad overheard my uncle tell someone, boy, I sure do feel sorry for that little gal he's marrying because Buck won't hold a job down for nothing and said and she'll, probably, she'll be lucky if her and her kids don't starve to death because he won't work and keep a job. And that statement impacted my father so much. Now, you understand this, that self-fulfilling prophecies what I'm getting ready to tell you is the exact opposite. Someone say, oh, the self-fulfilling prophecy was your dad believed that he couldn't hold down a job and wouldn't work. You understand sometimes that is the case. Sometimes the person will hear what the person said and they'll say, well, you know, I, you know, I guess that's right. That's the way I am. And subconsciously, they will make decisions that will bring to pass what they have believed in their heart and they begin to confess with their mouth. And that's scriptural. Jesus said you can have what you say. Jesus said, Whatever you, you know, what you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you can have it. And so here we have the blind hog finding the acorn. But how many of you know that sometimes that, because understand this, this is some, one thing and I hope that I'm not confusing anybody. If anybody has any questions, please feel free to talk to Pastor to clear the questions up. Because what I'm about to say is there's some things that, that overlap spiritually and, and, and soulishly, if you know what I mean. It can, have, it can have a spiritual and a soulish application. 
Now, I'm speaking about the gift of the Spirit of prophecy, the simple gift of prophecy. When someone says, I have a word for you. You know, I have a word from the Lord. And they begin to speak that. You all understand this, that there's two litmuses, or there's two ways you test personal prophecy when someone gives that to you. Number one is the Word. It's always the Word. Don't someone come up and pop something stupid to me. Oh, I got a word for you from the Lord. The Lord says you're supposed to leave your wife because she is an albatross around your neck. You're supposed to divorce her and go marry this other woman. Oh, but that would never happen, would it? Too many times, praise the Lord. Way too many times. Okay, so the number one litmus test for a personal prophecy is does it line up with the Word? The second one is does it bear witness with your spirit? Because before the Lord will give someone a word to speak to you, it's going to be something that the Holy Spirit's already been dealing with you about. And so when it comes forth from that person, it's not, it, it's, most of the time it's not going to be a shock plumb out of the blue. Where did that come from? If it's, a, if it's really the Holy Spirit, it's going to bear witness with you. You go, yep, yep that, that, yeah, I see it. Because that's what something that the Lord's already been dealing with me. Now, just because it doesn't immediately... Just because it does not immediately bear witness with you, sometimes, you know, sometimes you just put it up on the shelf. I see you, baby. <laughs> Daddy's not ignoring you. Sometimes you just put it up on the shelf, right? Sometimes if it doesn't immediately bear witness with you, you just take that, you put it on the shelf, and you pray and you meditate about it, and if the Lord speaks to you about it, amen, then, you know, praise God, it can come to pass. But So understand this is, is going back to the story of my father. When my dad heard this, instead of saying, oh man, that's the truth. I know that, you know, that, that's the truth. They, they probably will be lucky if they don't starve to death. What my dad did was he reversed that prophecy that was spoke over him. And, he, and his thought was, I want to show everybody my family I will never go hungry because I don't work a job. And so at one point in my father's life, and I've shared this story, uh, most of you have heard me tell the story to one degree or the other, or at least comment on it, is that my father, he, uh, he was diagnosed with a bipolar disorder and had you know, a complete nervous breakdown. Some people don't know what that was. Pastor Shine is like, what's a nervous breakdown? I said, if you ever have one or know, everybody that know anybody that has one, you'll know what one is. A complete failure to be able to cope with anything is just a simple way of saying it. But my father, at one point, um, he was a steel mill worker. He worked, he worked at a steel fabrication shop, actually. And every, every winter, he would lose work. Okay, He'd be laid off, and he'd draw unemployment through the winter and spring. Business picked back up, and they'd call him back to work, and he'd go to work. Well, finally, one year, the economy tanked really bad, and they had to make permanent cuts, and my dad lost his job, so he went on unemployment and only had unemployment for a certain amount of time. And so he would, every time he'd get an unemployment check, he'd give it to my mother and he'd say, pay everything that has to be paid, try to put some back, and if there's any extra, just give me enough. And so my mother would take the money and she would pay all the bills and try to save something, then she'd give him, you know, just a few dollars, five dollars to go on through the week. You know, as long as he had gas and five dollars, what they have. Well, my father, he got to the point where he actually, he got another job working in a manufacturing plant. And he had been trying to get on for the postal service. Well, he pa passed the postal test. He was a veteran and he had some uh, stuff. So he got on the post office, but he was a weekend carrier. So he'd just work on Saturdays regularly. And then through the summer, June, July, August, three months of the summer, when all the rest of the carriers were taking vacation, three months out of the year, he'd work six days a week at the post office. He would work... Um, evening shift at this manufacturing facility. Okay, so he's already working almost 90 hours a week there. And then he would go out in his spare time. Hello, where do you get some of that? And he would scout timber for a friend of his that had a timber company and would, and would uh, do work, would get leads on getting timber contracts for him. And then he'd get commission, he'd get paid commission uh, off of that. And so my dad because of what, uh, of what someone said about him, he reversed the prophecy. And, you know, the, because, you understand, you can prophesy to yourself. Yes. Right. Hello? What he heard and he 
And he rebelled against that. And what he prophesied over his own life was, I'll, and, he, and he actually said this, I'll work myself to death before I'll let my children and my wife go hungry. And that was what he spoke over himself. And he believed that. And he almost, he, he, he almost did, it, did it to the point to where, it, where it just about destroyed. I mean, he just had a complete nervous breakdown and, and mental breakdown because he was pushing himself to, to his max because he believed, because he believed a, he had a self-fulfilling prophecy in his mind, I'll work myself to death before I'll let my family go hungry. Okay? And so we understand that we're talking about you. And so you understand that <laughs> and he was making good money. Three, you know, those three months out of the year, man, he was making a good paycheck. But you understand that he was subconsciously making decisions that were moving toward the fulfillment of his prophecy of I'll work myself to death before my family will go hungry. He was making... And so... What's the point? Is the point is we were talking this morning about speaking God's word, speaking like royalty, that we don't just speak our own thing. Going back to Jesus was our example. We looked in John chapter chapters eight and chapter twelve, verse uh, John eight twenty six and John twelve forty nine and fifty. How we brought out that Jesus said, "I don't speak anything except what the Father tells me." Now. Don't think I'm oversimplifying prophecy when I say this. What, what, okay, what is like one of the most basic working um, definitions of prophecy? Inspired utterance, right? Divinely inspired utterance. Okay, what can be more divinely inspired utterance than you speaking God's Word? So when the old pastor, that doesn't sound, you know, that doesn't sound, you know, where is the, thus saith the Lord, where is the, oh, where is the spookiness, where is the, ooh, the glitz and glare, no, 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 you can't, you know, the testimony of Jesus, what's the revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, is that what it says in Revelations? And we learned this, Jesus was the son of man for 33 years on the earth, but for eternity past, Jesus was the Word, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when He became the flesh and dwelt among us, He was named Yeshua, Jesus, okay? So the testimony of Jesus, the Word, the testimony of the Word is the spirit of prophecy. Can we say that? Amen? And so... The most divine utterance, the most powerful prophecy that you can make over your own life is for you to speak God's Word, what God's Word says about your life, what God's Word says about your circumstances. And we understand this. Jesus said, I only speak the things that, the, that I hear the Father tell me to say. And I'm still kind of reviewing a little bit. Of course, there's some new stuff coming out. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But you understand this. In the kingdom... You need to jettison your right to free speech. I said this this morning, that your right to exercise free speech, you exercise free speech at your own peril in the kingdom. You exercise free speech at your own peril in the kingdom. Why? Because the king's already made a declaration. Every situation, every circumstance in your life, the king's already made a declaration on it. And where the word of the king, what we know Ecclesiastes 8 says what? Where the word of the king is, there's power. Right? So the king's already made a declaration on every circumstance in your life. The word of God speaks to everything. Now let's just make it real clear. Some people, that the people that don't understand the value of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you understand this, the Bible speaks to everything in your life generally. Okay? The Holy Spirit can speak to everything in your life specifically. And you understand this is the Bible cannot address every specific situation in every person's life on the face of the planet. It can't do that. Good Lord, how big would the book have to be? How big would the concordance be? Glory to God, you need a forklift to carry the concordance, right? So the importance is 
The Word speaks generally, and that's why we need to know the Word. I said this morning, we need to be students of the Word. We need to have the Word hid in our heart that we don't sin against God. But being filled with the Holy Ghost and being able to pray in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, will is, is you downloading the Word of the King for your specific circumstance. Okay? Let's just make it clear. You can't find in the Bible, God, I need a job. Lord, I need, I need income to meet my bills. Lord, where can I get it? And you can't go, okay, I'm going to turn to, I'm going to turn to the book of David, chapter 4, verse 37. You can't find that. What you can find generally is, is that God says, as I honor Him with my finances, He rebukes the devourer for my sake. He opens up the windows of heaven. He pours out blessings. What you can find is, My God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory. What you can find is, Give and it shall be given unto you. And you understand this. I always like to throw this little disclaimer in. You understand that that verse, in its context, it's talking about forgiveness. It's talking about giving forgiveness and it shall be given to you. But it is a spiritual rule that, that generally it is applicable to things of sowing and reaping, right? Amen? But you can say, God's going to meet the needs. Okay, this is the thing. That's speaking generally. But as Dave separates himself, and, that, and that's speaking the Word, right? You speak the Word. The circumstance pops up, I speak the Word. My opinion, my opinion don't matter. Okay? My freedom of speech is, well, my God... I just can't believe this. And I, and I hope I don't make you all feel uncomfortable. You all let me know if I feel uncomfortable. Dave and Angie, everyone knows. Dave, the, the, the recent economic recession. Glory to God. I might have to change the title of this, but I'm just going to flow with this a little bit, okay? Dave, in the, in the recent economic recession, Dave lost a job that he'd had for 16 years, and their home actually got foreclosed on. Okay? Now, this is the, the person, the skeptic, the aha, the headwagger, modern-day Pharisee people want to come, mm-hmm, I thought you was one of them faith people. Hmm, what happened there? God didn't meet all your needs, did He? Lost your house, didn't you? Hmm? But you understand this. Dave and Angie, and, and you understand this, they're human, so they've struggled with stuff, okay? And, it's, and there's been stuff in their family, and there's been emotional fallout from that. But this is the thing, spiritually speaking, God's, God's faithful. I'm not going to move off of His Word. God said in His Word, He causes all things to work together for good. All things. A-L-L. All. It means all. God causes all things to work for good for those who love Him and serve Him and are called according to His purpose. And that's me and I qualify. And that doesn't matter if it looks like a temporary battle got lost. I'm still breathing. The war's not over. God's faithful. And little Mr. Headwagger and little Miss you stay around long enough and when I get a bigger house and a better house and it's paid for, I'm going to go... Yeah, God's faithful, ain't He? Huh? Because I'm not moving off the Word. I'm not going to let temporary setbacks knock me off of the eternal truth of God's Word that His banner over me is love and He's spoken blessing over me and I, and, and I love Him and I serve Him. I'm called according to His purpose. And I'm going to tell you what, the devil might have thought that he was dumping a load of manure on me, but God used it to fertilize my garden. Woo! Hallelujah! Some people might say, well, that's just crude, Pastor. No, I'm just telling you, you just talk, just talk real. You feel like life took a dump on you, God can take the, the mess that life dumped on you and use it for fertilizer in your garden and raise you the prettiest roses you've ever seen. Amen? Just stay around long enough standing on the Word and be faithful. Hallelujah! Glory to God. But you understand this. Jesus didn't exercise his right to free speech. You can be going through something, standing on the Word, and have the occasional stumble. Amen. Have a little emotional breakdown. Have a little crying spell. Uh, go, God, where's that? God. But you know what? As soon as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and you pull yourself together, you go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Father, forgive me. God, forgive me for slipping on it. I'm pulling myself back over in the faith. Okay? And you understand this. I've said this before, and a lot of people need to get a hold of this. Abraham, who is, the, who is God's showpiece of faith. God says, you want to see who the daddy of faith is? Ta-da, Abraham. This is the guy that God wants to show off like this is my faith masterpiece. Right? 
You realize that two times Abraham lied about Sarah being his wife because he was afraid that his neck was going to be on the line. You realize that this is the man that, that, that his wife said, you know what, why don't you go into Hagar and try to make a baby with her? And she didn't have to twist his arm. <laughs> Typical man. Hagar was probably a pretty good looking gal. Sarah, Sarah didn't have to twist his arm. And Abraham went in and made his Ishmael. But he repented, pulled himself back, and I said, wait a, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mm-mm. No, no, that's not what the word of the king was. The word of the king was that me and Sarah were going to have a son. And so, what are you saying, Pastor? Are you, I am not maligning or bad-mouthing Abraham. What I'm trying to do is to get each and every one of us to see Abraham was a man just like us. And Abraham made his mistakes, and they're recorded in the Word. But when he made the mistakes, he'd pull himself back over to the solid rock of what was the Word that God spoke to me, and he'd get back on it as quick as he could, and he would repent before the Lord and get right back on the solid bedrock of what what did God say. And he got himself back on it. And so this is the thing. You understand this. You're going to have your You're going to wrestle with stuff. And there might be times that you slip, but it gets right back to, I'm going to speak what the Word of the King says. Because, like I said, you can speak your own, you know, you can talk yourself right out of a blessing. Heard Keith Moore one time was talking about that he had someone on staff at his church. And they had actually been, I think they moved out of them when he moved out from Tulsa, when he moved out from Broken Arrow. And they moved out with him, and they were volunteering. They weren't getting any compensation at all. They just said, hey, you know, the Lord led us to, to do this, and we feel like we're supposed to be here. And they went out, and they were there for a couple years. What wasn't Cheyenne, a couple years, maybe three years. They were there with him a long time, really, in the beginning there. And he said that said the Lord got to dealing with him, and he said, Keith, he said, you're to the point now, I said, I want you to, to I, think he, I think the Lord told him, bring the person on staff and buy them a house. And, and, and he said, that, you know, the Lord spoke to him, said, I want you to bring them on staff and buy them a house. How many of you all know that's a big blessing? Yeah. Someone going to buy you a house. They may not give you a down payment for a house, buy you a house. And he said that the Lord got to dealing with him, and he, said, and he began to look, and he began to, to look into neighborhoods. And, and look about houses and finding a house that he thought was going to be a nice house to give him. And how many of y'all know if Keith Moore gives you a house, he ain't getting you a dump? Amen. Amen. So he begins looking for a house to bless this person with because of their faithfulness. And about four weeks before he's, get, he's making progress toward getting the house and, and looking into purchasing it, they up and leave. They changed it. You know, they go to him and they say, yeah, you know what? So we've been here for a long time. Man, we just, you know, we just feel like, you know, it's just time for us to move on. And guess what? Keith didn't say, now hold on a minute. I'm getting ready to buy you a house. <laughs> he didn't say that. He went, well, you know, are you sure? Are you sure you're hearing from God? Yeah? Didn't use, the, didn't use material things to try to bait them in to get them to stay. But you understand this, is that they had, you know, they had to, they missed God because of their, because of their choices. Because how many of y'all know, God didn't tell Keith Moore, the Holy Spirit didn't speak to him and tell him to buy that person a house and then tell that person to move. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. Praise the Lord. Don't know where that came from. Anyway, we talk about God's Word doesn't return to Him void. God, you know, we said this in Isaiah 58:11. God's Word doesn't return to Him void, but it goes out and it accomplishes that which He sends it to do. Amen? Now, speaking like royalty, we talk about speaking the Word. What does the Word of the King say? One, just, you don't have to turn there, but there's too many verses to read through for it this evening. But in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 29, and when we're talking about speaking like royalty... Is, is God has given us His Word as a pattern to see how He operates. We read the Scripture uh, this morning um, over in Isaiah. I'm, I'm slipping here where it was at. Over in Isaiah, 50, here it is. Um, Isaiah, over in Isaiah 55 where God spoke to the people and He said, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Okay? And God was telling the people, You don't think like I do. 
And he was saying, and remember, what did Jesus say? Jesus' message was, repent, change the way you think. And so God's saying, if you'll begin to think like I think, you can operate like I operate, you can do things the way I operate, obviously to a much smaller scale, right? Because you understand this, we're in the same class of being as God, but nowhere near His level. Can you all understand that? I don't want anybody thinking pastors speaking blasphemy here because you understand this? God created you in His image and His likeness. In other words, God created you as the same class of being, a spirit being like God is. But you are nowhere near the same level. But on the level that we are, we are to operate and, and function as God does. So at God's level, God spoke His Word to bring things into existence. Okay? God said in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 29, lists several instances where, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And when God said, light be, you know, because it says in the beginning, you know, God said, let there be light. The literal translation is, God said, light be. How many of you like it? God don't mince words. He don't have to flower it up a whole lot. God just said, light be. There it was. Light was. And so God, He spoke. And you realize this. God could have chosen any way He wanted to to create the universe. You know, I think I've said this before. God could have, you know, God could have went old Jedi mind trick. You know, earth be if He wanted to. God could have got some test tubes in heaven and mixed it together and mixed it all in a test tube and just slung it out over the universe. God could have created it any way He wanted to. Any way He wanted to. But God chose to release His power through speech, through, the, through His spoken word, to speak things into existence. Now, we, being in the same class as God, not the same level, we have the word of the King to speak. And so, we can tap into that power that God has made available through us believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth, amen, and saying things, what we believe in our heart. Turn to, turn to Mark chapter 11 real quick, amen. We want to revisit this. I just feel like there's, some, there's more things we need to try to get out of this. I want to, make, I want to try to make this as clear as I can to people. Because the, this particular... This particular key that we're talking about in the key box, the, you know, the power of speaking God's Word, has been so completely misunderstood and really misrepresented a lot of times. Mark chapter 11. Remember, this is when Jesus uh, had walked... Uh, he was going into Jerusalem. He passed a fig tree, and, there wasn't, and He went to try to get some fruit off of it. And, and when... They didn't have any fruit. Jesus spoke to the tree and said, No man eateth fruit of you from this day forth. And he went on. There's a couple of things you can learn from this. Notice that Jesus didn't go, Ah, no man eateth fruit. He didn't do that. Jesus didn't make a big show of it. Jesus didn't try a whole, to call a whole lot of attention to, to what he was doing. He just he went over and looked for fruit. He said, mm, Ain't no fruit there. No man eat fruit of thee from this day forward. Didn't make a big spectacular show of it. Jesus believed it in his heart and he spoke it out of his mouth. Amen? And so, you understand that... I'm going to share this. Well, I wish we could do it. You know, you can speak life to dead things. You can speak life to dead marriages. You can speak life to dead relationships. You can speak life to dead plants. I'll just love it when science... You know, it's another one of those blind hog finding an acorn things. You know, they've actually did studies that plants that you talk to thrive and do better. Gee, isn't that a coincidence? I think uh, they did another study on that that plants that you talk to and encouraged and spoke good things over could grow quicker, but that you could actually talk to ones and say evil things over them and kill them. Wow. Wonder who the idea that was. But Jesus, he spoke to the three, and so when they're coming back through, they they come by, and the disciples, disciples are like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> Can you what, you what are they going to say? Oh Jesus, look at that tree! 
They said, look, look, Lord, it's, you know, it's, it's withered from the roots up. And Jesus answered them. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Jesus is saying, whatever things you pray for, believe you receive them. And we, and we, we reinforced this scripture this morning with going to 1 John chapter 5 verses 14 to 15. Now this is the confidence we have in Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we ask of Him. And so you understand that Jesus is making this statement and it's in the context. How many of you all know every statement in the Bible is in the context of the Bible? Hello, that's another one of those theological no-brainers, right? Every, con- every statement in the Bible is in the context of the Bible. Jesus said, whatever you ask, whatever you believe, whatever you ask when you pray, believing, you shall have it. It's obviously in the context of anything according to His will. And this is where people have gotten off in error saying, well, I can just, I can just believe God anything and confess anything and I can get it. And that's really brought a lot of reproach on the Word of Faith movement because I mentioned this this morning. Someone, you know, this particular minister said that he started just calling people on stuff. They say, oh, I'm believing God for this. And he's like, well, what Scripture are you standing on? Because, we've, because people like to take something that is a biblical premise and reduce it to a religious catchphrase that has no substance. Because how many of y'all know there's substance to the fact that Jesus is saying the things that you believe in your heart to receive? There's substance when the word in over in First John where it says the things that if you ask anything according to His will, you know you've got it. There's substance to that. But when you reduce it down to, well, I'm believing God for this, I'm believing God for that, and you have no Scripture that you're standing on, you have taken a, you have taken a legitimate scriptural biblical principle and you've reduced it to a little religious catchphrase well i'm believing i'm believing i've told people stuff before and they go well i'll be believing god with you and ain't no more believing god than even nothing you're just trying to you're just trying to sound spiritual and you sound ignorant because you don't even know what i'm believing what's that somebody you tell you you maybe share a circumstance with somebody or a situation that you're in and someone you they're, they're trying to excuse herself from the conversation because they really don't care about you. They just wanted to look spiritual and leave. Just wanted to make, do something for an appearance. And now they're trying to extricate themselves from the conversation by, you know, and trying to look sp- all spiritual about, well, 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 I want you to know, brother, I'll be believing God with you. Really? What are you going to believe God for? Because you don't even know what I'm believing God for. You're just, trying to, you're just trying to look spiritual. But this is the thing. What are you, what scriptures are you standing on? Because you understand this. If you're going to speak God's Word... Considering concerning a circumstance, and you're going to speak to it with authority, you've got to have word that you're standing on. And this is the thing, and you just got to be you got to be dug in like a tick, and be like, I am not moving off of this. Circumstances, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm going to let temporary circumstances change what I think about God's eternal word. What, what did what did the word say? What does God's word say about it? Amen. And you understand this. God chose to release His power through speaking, and that is a pattern for us. Amen? Understand this. Turn to Isaiah chapter 59 real quick. Man, there's so much in this. Because believing in your heart... I'm just going to go ahead and pop this bubble. There's no such thing as head faith versus heart faith. That's hogwash. What was it Pastor Cheyenne said? Now understand this. I said this. Sometimes people just don't... have not been fully equipped with what they need to hear. That's one. The other is, sometimes you're just in the standing on the word phase. Because Abraham did that for 25 years. And he had 25, he had 25 years to have the opportunity to back off of what God's promise was to him, right? So there's, there's two possibilities. But then the other thing, what was it you said, Pastor Shane? Just go ahead and say it out loud for me about what, what, where we came up with the idea of head faith versus heart faith. Yeah, 
head faith versus heart faith, that whole thing. Well, they got maybe they got head faith, but they don't believe it in their heart faith. And and we offer that. That's something we've conjured up as an explanation for why we haven't received from God. And like I said, keep it in this context. One thing may be that you've just not got. Okay, let's just look at. It. There's a couple of possibilities, a few possibilities. Right, one you don't believe. Second one is is that you believe, but you still need to have your faith strengthened, right? You need more teaching on it. That you believe to the point that you've been taught, but you need more teaching. You need more of the word. The next one is you're fully convinced. You've got the word. You're not budging off of it, and you're just having done all the stand. You're just standing there for, right? But. Amen, I can't get in it. But when it says believe in your heart, that word heart, it's the Greek word cardia, and it means your mind, your will, your intellect, and emotions. What's that? That's your soul, right? When we talk about spirit, soul, and body. So there's no, when we say believing with your heart, it just means believing in your mind. Like I said, God didn't make up new words to communicate to us. Amen? Amen? Believe in your heart. Believe in your mind. Praise the Lord. Amen. Selah. Amen. Think about that a little bit. Isaiah 59, verse 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee, and my words which I have put in thy mouth, shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, says the Lord, from hence forever. God places a high premium on His Word because God's not an egomaniac. You understand that God does not put this high priority on His people speaking His Word, His Word being in His mouth, just so God can go around going, mm, look at all the people I've influenced. Ain't I important? Yay me. The reason God puts such a high premium on His Word, the spoken Word, is because God knows that's where the power's at. Because the word of the, where the Word of the King is, there's power. And so God's saying, you can exercise your freedom of speech. You can, you, can be, you can be confronted with an obstacle in your life and you can complain and you can talk about how this didn't happen and that didn't happen and boy, if I just figured this out and this, that and the other, and guess what? You can have what you say. Things can go bad and you can go, boy, that's just my luck. Anything that can go wrong can go wrong. Oh, I'm just a born loser. Got a big bullseye on my back and the devil just, you know, playing whack-a-mole with me all my life. Whack, 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 you know. And guess what? You can have that. You can have that. And guess what? You're exercising your freedom of speech at your own peril. You know? It's like, <laughs> it's like climbing over uh, into a stranger's yard, climbing over their fence. They've got a sign that says, Beware Dog. And you climb over the fence with a couple of pork chops taped to your neck, whistling, Here, doggy, doggy, looking for the Rottweiler. <laughs> guess what? You don't want to call that dog in, do you? Amen? You don't want to call that dog in. Well, that's what you're doing when you're out exercising your freedom of speech in the kingdom. I say what I want to. Oh, now, you know, don't speak that way. What's the word say? I know what the word says, but I don't care. I'm going to say. Rah, 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 rah. And guess what? What happens? Because you've exercised your freedom of speech at your own peril. And God says, put my word in your mouth because God knows. I mean, we just read that in Isaiah. He wants you to keep the word in his, his word in your mouth. When the circumstances arise, this is the thing. You should be so full of the word, and I've used this example, it's like taking a sponge and, you know, you, this is the thing. You take a sponge and whatever you dip it in, whatever liquid you dip it in and let it set in, when you pick it up and you squeeze it, guess what's going to come out? Whatever liquid you've submerged it in. If you've submerged it in Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid's going to come out. If you've submerged it in vinegar, vinegar's going to come out. Because whatever it's saturated in when the pressure's put on, that's what's going to come out. And that's just another reason why we need to be so full of God's Word because I promise you, Jesus said, you said, oh, Pastor, I don't want to receive that. I'm just not going to confess that. This is one of those things you don't have to confess. Jesus already confessed over you. In this life, you'll have tribulation. Your little confession's not going to trump what Jesus' confession is. So Jesus already, He one-upped you, okay? You're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer, okay? This is the thing. We need to be so full of the Word that when a bill comes in you don't have money for it, well, thank you, Lord God, you, you, you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. This is the thing, though. You've got to be doing the Word. You can't be out reckless doing things that are contrary to the Word. You understand this. 
Help me, Jesus, to get this out. You've heard the, the old saying, actions speak louder than words. There's a degree of truth to it. Because this is a thing. True faith. What the, there, you understand there's a difference between acknowledging something and having faith in something. Because the whole, this city's full of people that say the Bible, oh, I believe the Bible's God's Word. And then when you start talking it, because their particular denomination doesn't believe that, oh, we don't believe that. There's lots of people that say, oh, we believe the Word. But you understand this, that you don't really have faith in it. We say this word, you only have faith in the Word you're doing. Don't tell me you believe in tithing, but you don't write the tithe check each week or each to every two weeks or whenever you get paid. You don't believe in tithing. Because if you did, you'd, write, you'd do it. Amen? Don't tell me I believe... You know, a man can't say, well, I believe you're supposed to be faithful to your wife, and then he's running around cheating on his wife. You don't believe it. You know that the Word says that true, that is true, but you don't believe it because real faith, what the Bible calls faith, it governs what you think, say, and do. Okay? And so God, the reason He's saying, you know, he's saying that my Word's supposed to be in your mouth... Let me finish this thought real quick. So you can't... It's inconsistent for you to do something contrary to what the Word says and then think that your confession of the Word's going to work. Case in point, going back to Philippians, say, Pastor, why do we talk about health and finances all the time? Health and finances all the time. Well, isn't that what you're concerned about? That's sure what the government thinks. Right? We want health care. We want a chicken in every pot. We want... The, huh? Is that not what is on the news every day? People, because people are concerned about their health and people are concerned about their finances. Isn't it a coincidence that God spends so much time in His Word speaking to, I'm the Lord God that heals thee, and I'm the Lord God your provider? Because everybody wants in the kingdom. This country is taxing some people to death and spending money like a drunken sailor trying to manufacture a temporary kingdom, a cheap, shabby imitation of the kingdom that God's called us into. But what I'm saying is, is that you can't do something contrary to the Word and think that your confession is, is going is to override that because your confession and your actions, because true faith governs what you think, say, and do. So if you really have faith in something, you're thinking that's the right thing to do, it, the, words, the confession coming out of your mouth is that's the right thing to do, and your actions line up with it. And if any one of the three are lacking, then it's not really legitimate faith. Okay? You understand that the true faith is going, to alter, it, it's going to govern how you think, speak, and behave. Right? So God, He wants His Word in your mouth. Amen? Deuteronomy, uh, talking about God saying, keep His Word in your mouth. Keep My Word in your mouth. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. Jesus said, teach, your, teach this Word to, to your children. When you're at your home, when you're sitting down, when you're lying down, when you're doing this, when you're doing that, teach the Word to your children. Teach what the, the promise of the covenant is. Tell them what God's Word is. Joshua 1.8. Huh? This book of the law, you know, it talks about this book of the law shall not depart from out of thy mouth, but in it you shall meditate both day and night that you may observe to do everything that's in it, that you may have good success when you observe to do it. When you observe to do the Word. Amen? When you do why well, it has to be in your mouth. You're meditating on it. And because you're thinking about it, you're speaking it with your mouth. And then when you observe to do... You're, you are walking in faith and you're speaking the Word in faith and it's going to produce results in your life. Amen? Praise God. The, the power is in the Word. Amen? It's, it's faith in God's Word. God's Word. So when we speak, God says to speak His Word. Amen? Amen. I'm, I, I'm going to get this real quick. Matthew chapter 12, 36. How important is it to God that we're speaking His Word? You understand this, and, and, and please, we're go, I'm going to drive some people say, Pastor, you're just repetitive. Well, that's all right. I'm going to say stuff over and Why do I say it over? Because I know not everybody in here got it the first time. I know everybody in here didn't get it the second time or the third time. Some, some of you are saying, Pastor, I heard it and I got it. This is the fourth time I heard it. Well, that's good. Let's just be in agreement for the rest of the people that, are, that are, haven't got a hold of it yet. They get a hold of it. Freedom, your freedom of speech... You want to know what your freedom of speech does? Remember this. We talked about over in Isaiah, 
chapter 55, verse 11 said, So my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it accomplishes that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where I send it. God's saying, my word goes out and it accomplishes what I send it to do. Okay? So, when you, so God's word doesn't return void. God's word is productive. And God is telling us, my word needs to be in your mouth. When a situation arises, my word, what I have said, what the king's already decreed about the circumstance, needs to be what's coming out of your mouth. This is how serious God takes your freedom of speech in the kingdom. Jesus said, Matthew twelve thirty six. But I say to you that every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus said that, that every idle that men for, uh, will uh, says, but every idle word men will give an account of it on judgment day. That word idle means lazy, nonproductive, inactive, unfruitful, barren, ineffective, and worthless. I'm going to read it to you again. Idle. I say to you that every lazy, non-productive, inactive, unfruitful, barren, ineffective, and worthless word that men speak, they'll give an account for it in the day of judgment. This is what, In the kingdom, your freedom of speech, you're going to give an account for it. Because when there was opportunities in your life, now thank God for forgiveness. Amen. We've all blew it. Let's just be honest. There have been... There's more... Amen. I've shot myself in the foot so many times that I'd be, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd just have to amputate it at the ankle. Right? Thank God. But what I'm saying is, is that God's will is, God's will is, my word's in your mouth. Where the word of the king is, their power is power. When circumstances arise, you speak my word, you release my power because you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, you speak my word over your circumstances, you don't move off of it, and your circumstances change. But if you exercise your freedom of speech and you say anything else, oh, I just believe this, I believe that. Well, it's like my mama said, like my daddy said, like old grandmammy said. No. And you speak that, then guess what? It's been, it's been an idle word in your circumstances and you'll have to give an account for it because, because what grandma said and what mama said and what daddy said and what cousin Jim Bob said if it's not what the word of the king was, it's not going to change your circumstances and you've just let yourself exercise at your own peril freedom of speech because you're not speaking like royalty. Amen? You're not speaking the words of the king. You're going to speak your own thing and then you won't wonder why we're not getting God's results and we won't wonder why the word ain't working for you in our lives because you're not working the word. Amen? Praise God. <clears throat> Psalms 19.14 Psalms 19.14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The psalmist is asking God, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let's put it this way, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of my mind be acceptable in your sight because this is why because if your thoughts are right and acceptable and your words are right and acceptable then odds are that your actions are going to be right and acceptable because biblical faith true faith governs what you think say and do and so he's asking God let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight real quickly the reason we need to be speaking the word you got to give God something to work with in your life Remember I said this this morning, when God said, My word will not return to me void, well, how do we return God's word back to Him? It's when God speaks His word and, and the word is there. And, and, and it's over in Hebrews, was it Hebrews chapter 2? Is it Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 4, where it says that the word of God not being mixed with faith profited them nothing? You know, people of Bash, you know, someone said that, made the comment before, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And other people said, no, by God, he said, God said it, and, I, and that settles it. Well, you understand that, there's, that it's not necessarily in your life. Overall, what God says is going to come to pass, but you understand whether or not you receive it with faith determines what, what the Word's going to do in your life. The Bible says that. God gave them the word that they could enter into the promised land, but because they didn't receive that word and mix it with faith, it didn't produce anything in their life. 
Okay? God, God, how God's Word returns back to Him is when He speaks it and we've hidden it in our heart and a circumstance arises and we speak God's Word to the circumstance and His Word returns back to Him and you're giving God material to work with. Oh, what are you talking about, Pastor? Isaiah 57, 17 through 20. I, well, you know what? I'm just going to read verse 19. Isaiah 57, 19. God said, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. God says He'll create the fruit of the lips. What is the fruit of your lips? Your words. Your words are the fruit of your lips. So God's saying, I create the fruit of the lips. Now you understand this. It's going back to, and like I said this morning, and if you didn't hear this morning, get a CD. People will say, oh, you know, God can do anything He wants. God can just do anything any way He wants to. No, God's only going to do what He said He would do. Because He's not going to change His Word. You understand this? God's not looking for loopholes to get out of fulfilling His Word. That's men. That's people that look for loopholes to get out of it. Amen? God's not looking for it. So God's saying, I create the fruit of the lips. You give me something to work with. And you understand, God don't... He's not going to work with junk. What you've got to give Him, the fruit you have to give Him, is His Word. Amen? Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, and we're going to end this uh, tonight. Hebrews chapter 13. Speaking of the fruit of our lips. Amen? <clears throat> Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, therefore, by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, the giving of thanks to His name. Okay? You understand that praise, praise means to express, if you praise someone, it means to express a favorable judgment of someone. Praising someone means I am expressing a favorable judgment. If I sing the praises of my wife, if I say, man, she's the best woman a man could have, man, if I told her that God said, you know, if we were to go evangelize, you know, the moon, she'd be looking for tickets on the space shuttle before they shut the program down. You know, then what, what am I doing? I am expressing a favorable judgment of her. Amen? Let me ask you this. <clears throat> What, could, what is a more favorable expression of someone than judging, than, than coming into agreement with their words? Coming in agreement with someone. What you're speaking is right. I, you know, I'm expressing, I'm express, do you follow what I'm saying? Is to say your words are right, what you're speaking is right. That you are expressing a favorable judgment of that person because of the words they've said. I agree with your words. I agree with your words. What's the Bible saying here? If, we are, if, we, if we're praising God, how much, more, how much more purer praise and expression of judgment of approval on God than we can, can we do than speaking His Word over our circumstances? God, I know that everything in the natural looks contrary to it, but your word says this, and I believe that in my heart, and I speak it with my mouth. And Lord, I'm giving you the, the, the I'm giving you praise. I'm expressing a favorable judgment on your word because I'm coming in agreement with your word, saying this is what the word says. And according to Hebrews, that's the fruit of your lips, right? Is that not what it says? It says it says right here it says therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of an exp- a to, of expressing favorable judgment of. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of expressing the favorable judgment of to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Going back over to Isaiah, God says, I create the fruit of the lips. What you are doing when you are confronted with a circumstance that God's Word speaks to in your life, the highest form of praise you're giving God is saying, God, 
I'm coming in agreement with your word. I'm giving a favorable, I'm expressing favorable judgment of your word, God, because what you've said about the circumstance, what your word says about the circumstance, God, I'm judging it favorable. I'm bringing myself into alignment with that. And you begin to speak his word. And you're offering the sacrifice of praise. You're offering a sacrifice of the fruit of your lips. Praise God. Are y'all getting this? That God said over in Isaiah, He said, I create the fruit of the lips. So when you are going through a circumstance and God's Word speaks to that circumstance and you get a hold of that and you say, God, not mm, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what circumstances say. What's the Word say? God, I'm in agreement with you what the Word of the King says. I'm going to speak like royalty. I'm going to say what the King says. And the King says this and I'm in agreement with it. And Lord, I speak Your Word and I offer You the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of my lips. And when God hears that, His Word doesn't return to Him void, empty, unproductive and unfruitful God says I hear and God releases from heaven what he said in his word he was going to do for you amen Amen? that's why it's so important that when we speak we speak the word of the king that's why Jesus life everything that Jesus did was productive and fruitful because Jesus said I only speak what the father tells me to speak amen is it important to speak the word this evening praise God hallelujah well let's pray Father, we come to You in Jesus' name. We thank You for this day.